0: When it comes to hard work, there's one important rule. Pick the right tool for the right job. That's why Chevy offers a family of Silverado pickup trucks designed just for the job. Go to ChevyDriveChicago.com put a Silverado in your toolbox.
1: Chase circle. Shoots and scores! A short-handed goal for Jonathan Tate. Kubelik in front. He shoots and scores! Dominic Kubalik on the leaf line. Right circle. Shoots and scores! He's set it up for Carpenter to slice and he scores!
2: Patrick Kane has a thousand NHL points! It's time for another episode of Blackhawks Crazy. Presented by FanList. Is this the game that gets Alex DeBrinckitt back on track? Here's
0: Kane, top left circle. Shoots and scores! In front of them! Tapped it, and the Hawks had finally solved Pecorino in this
2: hockey game. Chris Bowden and Joe Brand break down the latest storylines surrounding your favorite Chicago hockey team.
1: The power play goal he's standing in front of the net. But the breakaway in overtime—that's one where you're going, wow! off by
0: Keith to the break in a breakaway in overtime for the win on the predator line. Shoot!
2: Chris Bowden and Joe Brand. Hello again, everyone. Welcome to a fresh edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. I'm your Blackhawks WGN radio pre and post game host, Chris Bowden, joined as always by Blackhawks reporter, Saturday morning sports anchor, Joe Brand, among other things. No, we do not have official word that training camp is going to open July 10th. No, we do not have an official word about when the regular season will resume, or I should say the qualifying round. But Joe, we do have some official word on some very good news concerning Blackhawks past, and a long roster of Hall of Famers was added to by the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, this week, in which uh, Marion Hossa and Doug Wilson, who has been waiting an awfully long time, even though as you'll hear him say later, he wasn't necessarily waiting or expecting for it, but uh, two very well-deserved honors that were announced by uh, Lanny McDowell and everyone at the Hockey Hall of Fame in Toronto this week.
3: Yeah, some definitely great news for Blackhawks fans and for those two specific Blackhawks. And, you know, it's really cool when a guy who his fifth team was the Chicago Blackhawks will probably be remembered most as a Chicago Blackhawk, and that's Marion Hossa. I mean, he was, what, 31 years old when he first put on the Hawks sweater? and Signing that 12-year contract. Right, and as soon as he goes into the Hall of Fame, everyone's thinking about uh what he did but obviously in a Blackhawks uniform because of the historic Stanley Cup run that they had. And Hossa, a big reason because of it. Six years plus to begin
2: his career in Ottawa, then two and a half years spent in Atlanta with the Thrashers, remember then. Uh, A half a season in Pittsburgh, part of their Stanley Cup bid in uh, the uh, 2008 season, only to fall short to Detroit. So then Marion moves to Detroit and then loses to Pittsburgh in his only season there in the Stanley Cup finals. But alas, it was his... uh, Signing of a 12 year contract back in 2009 with the Blackhawks and uh, spending eight of those 12 years here. And really the, uh, the rarity, the exception in this case as to how great Marion Hosa was, because technically he wasn't eligible for the Hall of Fame yet. But with the unfortunate news and the heartbreaking news several, a handful of years ago about uh, him being unable to play due to that skin condition, he, like, Chris Pronger, ironically, the guy he faced in the 2010 Stanley Cup Final for Philadelphia. A similar case in which you knew they were eventually going to get in. It was a fait accompli, and they knew he wasn't going to be playing again, unfortunately. So Marion Hosea, at the age of 41 is inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Come this November, now Lanny McDonald announcing also that they will decide about mid-August, depending on what the world's health situation is, whether there'll be an actual ceremony, whether there will be virtual, whether they will try and push it back until, knock on wood, we're, we're once and for all through this pandemic. But some of the numbers here. Uh, Marion Hosa. 35th on the all-time goal-scoring list with 525 goals. Ten others besides uh, him and those other 34 have uh, reached the 500-goal club. 57th all-time with 1,134 points. And I think particularly indicative. Some other numbers as you go down the stat line of of Marion Hose's greatness. His plus-minus rating was a plus 245 for his uh 18-year full seasons in the uh, NHL. And also, besides 143 power play goals, 34 shorthanded goals. And I, I think that was loud and clear. You know, when he first signed, he was coming off shoulder surgery. And his first game back wasn't until right before Thanksgiving of his first season back in 2009. And I believe he had two goals in that debut at San Jose. I believe the first one may have been a shorty. If not, it was the second one. But I think that kind of wraps up Marion Host in a nutshell because uh, I've heard other people say over the last couple of days and even prior to this during the course of his career, ends up with 525 goals. He could probably have easily a 100 more than that with how offensively skilled he was, but because of his investment on the defensive end, and you'll hear it uh, during his, uh, when we replay his Zoom call Thursday morning with members uh, mostly of the Chicago media, about uh, he seriously invested himself defensively as his career went on never won a selkie trophy but was certainly up there and, and worthy of that kind of category and uh, uh, you, you grew a greater appreciation for the kind of Two way, 200 foot overall player that Marion Hosa was. And uh, I think that adds to the greatness and the respect that not only his teammates held, but everybody really across the league. His commitment to not be a cherry picker, which, uh, you know, he very well could have and stacked his numbers even higher than what they were.
3: And I think that's what makes him such an albatross because when he came over to the Hawks, I mean, you, you mentioned it the three consecutive Stanley Cups. He's the only guy ever in hockey to play in three consecutive Stanley Cup finals with different teams, and, I mean, boy, you, you might even talk about a different career if the Hawks don't win that first one in 2010, but, you know, you look you look at his hockey reference page, and again, thank you to everybody from hockey reference, baseball <laughs> reference, all those references, just fantastic work, uh, the, the only year with Detroit, he had 40 goals, he had 24 goals in the first year with the Hawks, okay granted like you said he didn't come into the league until November dealing with that shoulder injury. The following year he only had 25 I mean he didn't get back up to 30 until the year after the lockout year which was 13-14 but that's because he became such a dominant two-way player and I think that really shows what type of not only player he was but what type of person he was. He knew that the Hawks didn't need him to score every single time because he was mainly on what line? Jonathan Taves and Patrick Sharp? I mean, Those are guys that just make things happen and, and the Hawks, as a whole, were just an offensive juggernaut. He was just the perfect type of glue that this young team needed. But, you know, you get that veteran experience, but he's also so eager to win a Stanley Cup. That's why he signed with the Blackhawks, because he saw firsthand what they were capable of. Granted, the Wings handled the Hawks in, I believe, five games in that Western Mm -hmm. Conference Final. But still, he saw the upcoming promise with them and he turned out to be a huge, huge part of the three Stanley
2: Cup run. 186 of his 525 career goals came in a Blackhawks uniform, 415 of those uh, 1,134 points came in a Hawks uni, the final eight years of his career. Yes, officially he is an Arizona Coyote right now, but I don't think there's any question that once this period ends, uh, whenever his next contract season ends, uh, he will be welcomed back, and, and, uh, you know, uh, Rocky Wirtz has alluded to that, that he will We'll be welcome back. With open arms, uh, to the Blackhawks organization to, uh, perhaps, uh, uh lend a hand in the community. Uh, I, I would very much, uh, a slam dunk that he's going to be, get one, one more shift, one final shift, um, that, uh, so many others have, uh, been, had that honored bestowed upon them. And, uh, none deserves it more than Marion Hosa. And before we hear from him in the Zoom call, you know, you mentioned 2010, and I think when we were recapping the 2010 season when WGN Radio was, was uh, replaying some of those during the 2010 playoff uh, while this pause was going on a little bit earlier back in uh, uh, April, the month of April. Um, There were those moments after he had lost the cup in the final at Pittsburgh in 08 and in Detroit in 09. Well, here he is with the Blackhawks, the five-minute boarding call in Game 5 of Round 1 versus the Nashville Predators where it looked like, oh, this guy is so snake-bitten. With them down four three, a five minute boarding call with a little over a minute left, and then he ends up scoring the winning or the overtime winner right out of the penalty box. And then, I think we mentioned this as well in game number six, the eventual clincher. The Blackhawks are protecting uh, a three to two lead with four minutes to go in Philadelphia, and a centering pass in front of the Blackhawks net. carom's off host's his shin guard or stick, then off of Brent Seabrook to uh, uh, Hartnell, who ends up scoring the game tying goal for the Philadelphia Flyers, before eventually Patrick Kane would win it. But there were those uh-oh moments in his very first season here where you're wondering, okay, we knew he was a little unlucky in snake, but is he carrying it over here? But uh, he mentioned here uh, during the course of this Zoom call that uh, obviously the the greatest moment of his career was receiving that Stanley Cup from Jonathan Taves once Patrick Kane did win it four or five minutes into overtime. That's
3: honestly one of the, the main things I think about when I think about Marion Hose's tenure with the Blackhawks. Clearly, Game Five. I mean, that that's got to be number one. One of the next closest ones, in my eyes, at least, is he's the first Blackhawk to receive the Stanley Cup from Jonathan Taves, and that's always a big thing. You know, when the captain hoists the cup, who is the next person he gives it to? And I mean, that was that was so huge in Marion Hose's career. Y- you talk about. Um, the, the mistakes in the playoffs. I, I keep thinking when the Blackhawks replayed, or it was the anniversary of that Game 5 against Nashville, and they asked for Marion Hosa's take on it, and he talks about committing the penalty, and he's like, I go in the box, I feel shame. <laughs> like you, you just feel for Marion Hosa, even though you know how it all ends. But just to sprinkle a few more Marion Hosa stats for you, 149 points in 205 playoff games. Now that's throughout his career, a plus-minus of plus-25. He had 12 game-winning goals in the playoffs in his career. And he, again, he played in, okay, five Stanley Cup Finals, He won three of them, all with the Blackhawks. Think about the other long runs that the Hawks had in the postseason. I mean, this was a guy that was taxed year after year, but he was still such a dominant force on both sides of the ice, offensively and defensively. And again, it it speaks to his hockey IQ, it speaks to his endurance, and just his devotion to the game and his health and his body
2: to be able to do that and put it in year in and year out. And it was a various, a very generous bunch of Hall of Fame voters. There were only 18 of them, and a player needs 14. Uh, a player or, uh, or anyone needs 14 votes in order to get in, and it was a class of six here in 2020. Aside from Doug Wilson, who we'll talk about and hear from a little bit more uh, in just a few minutes, and Hosa, uh, there was Jerome Aguinla, um, uh, another one of those classy Two way players. Kevin Lowe, like Doug Wilson, waiting seemingly forever despite all his accomplishments and Stanley Cup championships. Kenny Holland, a, a guy who, uh helped bring Marion Hosa into Detroit and ironically now is running things in Edmonton, who the Blackhawks may end up uh, playing here or will end up playing if hockey does in fact resume. And then uh, uh, Canadian uh, national goaltender Kim St. Pierre, she was also inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame class of 2020. But without further ado, let's hear, let's allow you to listen to the exchange between Marion Hosa and various members of the Chicago media on a Thursday afternoon. Uh, some are rather Thursday morning, some hours after uh, he got the official phone call. You'll hear him discuss that, among other things. But he began the conference call after being asked just uh, his initial reaction and gratitude to being a member of the Hockey Hall of Fame.
4: This induction to Hockey Hall of Fame, uh, I mean, uh, it's unbelievable feeling uh, for me and my family. I, when I started playing hockey, I was never thinking, uh, you know, about uh, this type of thing, uh, going to Hall of Fame. I was thinking for uh, try to go to National Hockey League because it's the best league in the world. And uh, when I was there, I tried to adjust uh, my goals again and uh, try to win the Stanley Cup, and that was my goal. And this, uh, what is happening afterwards, it just, just, uh, you know, honor. And uh, I guess uh, I can look back and I see uh, probably the hard work over the almost 20 years, uh, was paying off because, uh, you know, people who are sitting in Hockey Hall of Fame decided to, to add my name between the few and uh, I am humbled, honored and grateful for this, uh, you know, being between these type of people and uh, players.
0: Good morning. Congratulations, Marion. Uh, well deserved. You wore a lot of sweaters during your career. What did it mean to you to put on that Blackhawk sweater night in and night out and be a part of that dynasty?
4: Uh, I think that was uh, my best decision uh, in my career to sign with the Blackhawks uh, uh, in uh, July 2009. And uh, obviously, when I look back right now, I see the Indian logo it was lucky charm for me because in uh, Western Hockey League, uh, when I played for Portland uh, Winterhawks, uh, uh, we won uh, the championships uh, uh, with that exactly jersey. And uh, you know, obviously, I went to Ottawa, different teams, uh, and ending up uh, in 2009 uh, in Chicago was the uh, was the right decision. And uh, I never thought uh, I'm gonna win right in the first year. And I we never thought with my agent when we try to design the opportunity, what is the best way. To play, uh, what team you got the best chance, and uh, also what team has the most potential to be good for a long time? And uh, Chicago was the number one choice. There was probably other choices, but I just saw, you know, uh, from the Portland, the jersey, the Indian logo, and I said, uh, you know, the young players, great organization. Uh, so this is the team, and uh, I am proud to, to wear the jersey and. Uh, you know, I had the best memories in uh, with this team. Hi, uh Congratulations on being elected. I, I know, especially earlier in your career, you you've always you were always a, a big time scorer. But how important was it for you to really hone your game to also get that defensive part of your game uh, sharper as
1: as you kept going in the NHL?
4: Uh, I try to see uh, definitely. Uh, when I joined the National Hockey League, I was strictly offensive player. I have no idea how to play defensively, and uh, I got lucky. Uh, I had, uh, you know, good coaching through my career. Jacques Martin uh, in Ottawa, uh, you know, the demanding uh, defensive style. I think uh, I started learning how to play also on the other side of the ring and not just thinking about, you know, be uh, offensive player. So and uh, you know when you become a better player, you got uh, more uh, more things to cover. And uh, when I come uh, to Atlanta, you know uh, I try to lead by example, not just offensively, but start playing more defense. And I think what helped me the most was the year in Detroit. Uh, obviously, I didn't win, but I learned so much from players like uh, Datsuk, Zetterberg, uh, Lindstrom, Chelios and uh osgood uh, those guys uh and i think some small pieces i brought to chicago with me and i learn how to you know steal the bugs even better than before i learn uh, how to play better defensively and try to set example for my young teammates uh maybe to follow me maybe they see something they like from my game and uh you know help them to rise th- their game and uh Obviously, we had a great success. I saw lots of uh, uh, potential offensively in those young players. So I said, you know, maybe I won't score in this team uh, 40 goals like I did in Detroit. But uh, my ultimate goal was winning Stanley Cup in all costs and uh, even have to play, you know, defense and score 30 goals or 25. I didn't care. And, uh, you know, I I got lucky to play with a great teammates, great coaching staff and great front office. And definitely, you know, sold out building night by night in uh, in uh, our stadium, United Center. It was just great memories.
2: Um, Marion, now that you've had almost a day to think about it, what goes through your mind that from this point on you'll be known as Hall of Famer Marion Hosa?
4: Uh, I mean, uh, you know, this. Uh, I was sitting here in this office uh, last night. Uh, when I got the call, 9 p.m. Uh, European time, and uh, there was a Toronto number, and uh, and uh, you know, Lenny uh, McDonald uh, was calling me, and uh, he said, "Do you know why I'm calling you?" And I had, uh, I told him uh, I have a guess, but I like to hear it from you. So uh, it was just one moment you will never, or one phone call you will never forget uh, in your life, and that was exactly yesterday at 9 p.m uh i'm still overwhelmed thankful grateful and uh uh i think it's gonna sink in, uh, in maybe in a few days what's actually happened but uh it's amazing to be part of something special
0: hey marion congratulations i just wanted to get your thoughts yesterday as you received that phone call and you you think back over your career how much do you think about the people who helped you along the way and just everyone involved in your specific moment uh, yesterday
4: yeah uh i just had a press conference uh, in slovakia like hour and a half ago and uh you know i was overwhelmed uh, when i started thinking how everything started and definitely uh you know i had to thank uh, my mom uh because she was the one who was uh, me and my brother taking to the hockey rinks uh, when i was five and he was three because my father was also a hockey player and he was traveling quite a bit in old Czechoslovakia. Then he became a coach. So he was uh, mostly time on the road and uh, she was the one who was, uh, you know, doing the heavy lifting with us. And, uh, also my father, uh, you know, he was a great example, of, uh, you know, hockey player and coaching. So, uh, Definitely, uh, i like to thank uh, my wife uh, because she was the one uh, when uh, she was standing beside me when uh, I lost two on the row and uh, she was uh, cheering me up. Uh, and, uh, you know, I tried to work hardest hard as possible before I signed in Chicago to try to win the ultimate goal. So uh, to her, uh, lots of credit, uh, you know, to stay with me when things weren't easy. And, uh, you know, my two daughters, Mia and Zoya. And uh, so uh, definitely i like to thank also, if I got this opportunity, uh, to my first GM and this also he was scout before, Marshall Johnson, uh, when he was uh, in Ottawa. Uh, he believed in me. He picked me 12 overall and he gave me the opportunity to, you know, put my nose in the National Hockey League. So definitely i like to thank him and, uh, obviously, uh, Rocky words, uh, you know, what an excellent job he did with the organization, John McDonough, uh, you know, like to thank him for the opportunity and, uh, you know, obviously Stan Bowman and Dale Talon when they signed me, uh, as a free agent and, uh, give me this opportunity to play for this organization, uh, uh you know, best thing happened to me. So, and, uh, obviously Rich Winter, my agent, uh, he was big part, uh, why we pick, uh, Chicago. And, uh, you know, he always thinks sometimes too much, but, uh, you know, amazing what he done uh, over that time of the year. If
0: it weren't for your skin condition, who knows how much longer you could have played. Do you feel like you're going in the hall of fame too early? Do you look back on it and think, man, I, I, Yes, I I know I'm worthy of being in the Hall of Fame, but I wish it it would be happening years down the road.
4: Well, uh, let's put it this way. I I knew I had still a few years left. uh, If I wouldn't have a skin condition and I wouldn't have to battle with that and, you know, eating the heavy pills uh, before each day, Uh, I definitely like to play, you know, a few more years because I was leaving the game uh, when I was uh, still in a, you know, really good shape. Uh, I was able to skate with the young guys, and I scored, you know, I think something like twenty six goals uh, my uh, last year. So I still felt good. I still I felt like uh, lots of energy left. But uh, you know, you don't wanna uh, you know gamble with things like those uh, those pills. So uh, I try to stay safe. And uh, obviously, uh, you know, on one way, it's pretty cool. Uh, when they told me I'm only the second player in history who is going to Hall of Fame under the contract. Uh, The first was uh, uh, Chris Pronger. So uh, amazing, uh, you know, (laughs) start. Doesn't happen often, but uh, in this case it did. And, uh, you know, I'm grateful. They picked me uh, last night and uh, it's amazing uh, to be part of it.
2: Congratulations uh, on this achievement. Uh, I'd like to ask, uh, how important is it for you to be only the third uh, Slovakian-born player to enter the Hall of Fame? And uh, how do you recall your predecessors, uh, Stan Mikita and Peter Shastny? Uh, was Shastny kind of a role model for you when growing up uh,
4: because of his status and achievements in Slovakia and same with Mikita in uh, Chicago? Well, uh, you know, obviously being a third uh Slovakian player going to Hall of Fame It's it means so much to me and uh, looks like uh, you know the number three it's pretty lucky for me uh, like in the US you guys saying that the third time is a charm I won the on the third try my first Stanley Cup I'm the third Slovakian player going to the Hall of Fame and uh, you know it's uh, it's amazing uh, feeling and uh, I got I got lucky I, I got lucky to know uh, Stan Mikita you know uh, the one and only and uh, I had some some time uh, when I was injured uh, to 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 have a chance to chat with him and didn't have to rush to practice and we had a great time together in going visiting uh, one uh, young fella uh, time ago and uh, you know he told me lots of uh, different stories and uh, it was just amazing to spend time with a uh, hall of famer with the icon in Chicago and uh, you know guy who were born in Slovakia. So uh, to me, that meant a lot, uh, you know, to meet his family. And uh, we are still in contact. And uh, obviously, Peter Stasny, I know Peter, uh, what he did, uh, he made the name uh, for Slovakian hockey uh, in National Hockey League with uh, uh, Stasny's brothers. Uh, they did an unbelievable job in Quebec. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I had Peter as my GM in the national team. And I, you know, I know him too. And I know what type of player he was. So uh, to be with this company, it's amazing. And uh, it's still, you know, I still don't get it. Uh, I think it's going to sink in a little bit later, but uh, you know, to put my name with those two, it's amazing.
0: Marion, just wanted to ask you how many former Blackhawks teammates you've heard from. Can you share any specifics with us?
4: Uh, Well, you know, Soon as uh, they announced it uh, in 10:30 uh, my time in Slovakia, the first text message I got from Patrick Kane, and uh, you know, it just show show me he, he loves the game, he paying attention, and uh, you know, it's amazing what he wrote uh, to the text message, and uh, you know, there was a pleasure to play with a guy like that. Then, uh, uh, you know, Duncan Keith, uh, you know, was Brent Seabrook, uh, lots of. Uh, guys uh from blackhawks shawzy uh you know the list goes on and on and uh you know uh, Joel quen will uh text me and uh stan Baum and uh, uh scotty Bowman. and you know it's just uh makes your heart warm uh and uh you know just special feeling and uh you know it's tough to describe well you know uh definitely i like to take this chance uh to say uh to all uh, Chicago people, thank you uh, for the opportunity to be night in, night out in uh, United Center. And, uh, you know, uh, you guys uh, did an unbelievable job uh, to play in that atmosphere uh, only one can dream of. And, uh, you know, it shows uh, in Chicago there is lots of passion. And, uh, you know, we try always bring the best. Uh, and I, I'm lucky I was part of the organization uh and we won uh, those three stanley cups in uh, six years it's amazing and uh, i think uh we're gonna look back a little bit later i think when the more guys retire and we're gonna come back to chicago and realize how special the group of players were and uh obviously you know great coaching staff uh by joel quenville and his team also you know uh, uh i like to thank uh, uh you know our conditioning coach. Uh, uh, unbelievable, poly Goodman, what a great job he's doing and uh, what he did with me. And, uh, you know, PR guys and everybody in the front office, uh, you know, it was just fun to work with all those people. And, uh, you know, media were great to me. So thank you very much. Uh, and even even tough times. And uh, I love the city of Chicago. And uh, thanks for this opportunity.
2: Well, Marion, you are welcome for the media being nice to you. But uh, what we should really say is how great he was with us being the super, superstar that he was, but I, I think that's kind of, uh, you know, an, an even line throughout most <laughs> most hockey players in the NHL because they're the best professional athletes you get to deal with. And you know, I, I'll circle back on to this with with Troy in a bit, you know, or, or at least a variation of it, but you know, really unfortunate that he wasn't able to close out his career and see what some of those numbers could finally be had he been able to... Execute and fulfill the final four years of this contract because we didn't realize it until after the fact that whenever Marion would talk to us, um, you know some some of those some of those guys at the time, even though the Blackhawks prefer you to be covered up uh, in the locker room right after a practice or right after a game, uh, Marion would always come out covered up, and, and there was there was no indication at all at what he was going through. This just mysterious ailment the skin ailment that he had and you know there were times when he'd take his share of practices off and that was a it was a veteran's day that's all it was called at the time but you come to learn afterwards of what he was going through when we learned the shocking news back in in 2017 that after being swept out of the playoffs in four straight by the Nashville Predators that that game four in Nashville was the final time he would be on the ice and they had to finally come to the Very difficult conclusion that that's the way his great career would have to end. And it just leaves us kind of wanting more, wondering what he could have accomplished and what some of these numbers could be, Joe.
3: I I think any player would think that no matter how their career ends. And yeah, you look at the abrupt ending that that Hosa's career was. and, And everything you mentioned about how he presented himself after games in that final year brought up no thoughts that he was going through the type of health concern that he was, not only that, I mean, the numbers are still there, too. 26 goals his most Mm -hmm. in the last four years, and um, he was still clearly the same player he had been, at least at that age. I mean, you lose a step here or there, but nothing that overbearing. Um, But when you look back on it all, especially now, him being a Hall of Famer, he's got his Stanley Cups, he's got his multiple great teammates, and he's got his legacy of being such a solid two-way player. I mean, he, he kind of did it all. And I I know it's just, it's got to be tough for a player to think, oh, what more could I have done? And you heard him talk about how he felt he had more years left in him, but he had one heck of a career and
2: nothing to be shy about it. Speaking of class, um, uh, another player, the other uh, entry, a uh, um, uh, player going into the Hall of Fame with Blackhawks ties is Doug Wilson, uh, first-round draft pick in 1977, ends up playing 14 years in a Blackhawk sweater before eventually being moved to the San Jose Sharks, becoming their very first captain in franchise history as, as an expansion club. But Doug Wilson, uh, just as much of a pleasure, Joe, I know you don't remember this, but I do, the opportunity to watch him and cover him and talk to him, uh, just as much of a class act as Marian Hossa was. And... Still is, and the same goes for Doug Wilson, ninth in club history in games played, fifteenth in goals scored as a defenseman, fourth in assists, sixth in points. Obviously, number one among uh, franchise defensemen uh, in those respective categories. Duncan Keith's trying to track him down in a couple of those categories. Who um, was already passed him, surpassed him, obviously in, in the games played category. But Doug Wilson was really that first type of Chicago Blackhawks defenseman where the league started morphing. Once Bobby Orr came into the league, defensemen had a completely different look, and you needed some of those quarterbacks, those those offensive-minded defensemen, uh, and uh, e- even better if, if they didn't shirk their defensive responsibilities. And Doug Wilson was one of those types of guys who had an offensive flair and uh, still – you know took care of what he needed to defensively he was a number one pair defenseman throughout uh, most of his time here in Chicago and uh, uh I I think it was kind of the tip of the iceberg where the Blackhawks uh even though they had signed Bobby Orr a couple of years ago in vain because you know his his career would be winding down very quickly after after signing with them that uh, this was the way the league was going and it gave I think Chicago Blackhawks fans their first taste of one of those offensive minded defensemen and how dangerous and valuable they could be to an attack.
3: It's kind of a, a cool contrast, too, with these two former Blackhawks going into the Hall of Fame. You've got Hossa, who you know came into the league as a scorer and kind of stayed that way until later on in his career. And then you've got Doug Wilson, who's a defenseman known a lot for his scoring. And you're right, I, I'm pretty young to know about what Doug Wilson did, so there was a lot of research with all of this. You but, saw the grainy footage. Oh, of course, yeah. And the old uh, TVs you used to crank by hand, right? Now, oh, he, boy. <laughs> Rabbit ears. But I mean, uh, heck, he, he was San Jose's first captain in franchise history. He played nearly a thousand games with the Hawks. And the other thing... he. I mean, he's been the the Sharks' GM since 2003. I mean, he's got quite the resume just being a GM, too. I know the Sharks have never made it to the promised land. But, okay, since he has taken over as the Sharks' GM in 2003, San Jose has earned nearly 62% of the available points during the regular season. I mean, they're almost always at least a competitive team, if not a possible candidate. Um, ironically, you know, the Hawks' first championship run was sweeping the Sharks in 2010, but he has developed and built a consistent contender, and that
2: speaks a lot. And, and shortly after that, uh, there was a, a brief time of contention between Doug Wilson and the Blackhawks when he was San Jose's GM. After the Blackhawks swept them out in the uh, Western Conference final in 2010, you'll recall Nicholas Jalmerson was a free agent. Anti Niemi was a free agent. Uh, they threw a, and, and the Blackhawks being in the financial salary cap bind that they were had to pick and choose who they were going to be able to keep on to the roster uh, uh, based on the number of free agents that they had, and Doug Wilson took a hard run at Nicholas Jarmolson put a high number out there, and the Blackhawks had to force and choose whether it would be Jarmilson, and in the end, they matched that offer sheet, and uh, anti Niemi ended up moving on to the San Jose Sharks. But uh, And don't mean to go down a rabbit hole, but think about how different this team would look. Sure,
3: sure. The whole Stan Bowman decision right there.
2: Exactly. So, yeah, there was a little bit of contention, and obviously, you know, when you're... Uh, a very uh, uh winning team as the San Jose Sharks have been for the better part of this last decade with Doug Wilson at the helm. You know, there's always a little bit of give and take and, you know, a little bit of contention because you are a bit rivals. But for the most part, Doug Wilson had mostly Blackhawks blood in him as a player, a Hall of Fame player. And uh, this is much shorter than what we hear from Marion, but uh, you'll also get a taste of the humility and the class at uh, Doug Wilson and how Doug Wilson comported himself both as a player and now as an NHL executive for the San Jose Sharks. Well,
0: look at it. This game has just been so good to me and all the things that uh, I've been fortunate to do and, and the journey that I've been on. Um, it, was, it was very unexpected. It, was, uh, it worked out that all the family and grandkids just so happened to be here and we we're playing with the kids, uh, grandkids in the pool. So it was a pleasant shock, and that's a, an understatement. Um, but I, I will say that right right off the bat, it goes back to realizing how fortunate we were. And, and somebody asked, I don't know if it was Kevin or any, you know, what makes this important or what you think about it. It's just the game of hockey has got special people in it. And I'm a guy that I played in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. I had great fortune to have a an older brother who was the best big brother you could ever have who won four Stanley Cups with Montreal. And then I, my first roommate was Dan McKeita, and I got to play with Keith and one of the finest people that ever walked this earth, and, and Bob Yor, and, and, and it goes on and on. Um, so, for me, this game has given me way more than I've given to it. And, uh, you know, to the privilege to be on the call with these other five people is, is special to even look back and see what this means. Uh, I haven't even comprehended it. But all I know is how fortunate um, all of us are to be in a game where people really care about the game, uh, care about the things that need to be done in, in society. It's a difficult time we're all dealing with right now. Um, but it truly really hasn't sunk in and uh, I look forward to calling some of the people that um, just pop in my mind that without them, uh, I wouldn't even have been able to make it to the NHL. I'm very thankful, very, very humbling um, but very
2: fortunate. So not only did Marion Hossa have words of praise for Stan McKeat and his relationship there, you just heard Doug Wilson talking about it as well because uh, those two were teammates for uh, for some time. And uh, now let's uh, go to a, a gentleman who we, we appreciate him. As we record here Thursday at dusk, he is on the 18th hole, ready to uh, standing over a par putt to finish with a 68, but he's put that on a hold in order to talk to us. It is our WGN Radio Blackhawks analyst. Troy Murray. Troy that couldn't be the furthest
1: from the truth. Don't sixty three then? Don't get the yips once <laughs> you're done with this. You us. don't want you don't want to know what my day was like today.
2: <laughs> well, I can guarantee you mine was even worse. But uh nope. we'll, set,
1: we'll set we'll set
2: golf aside and uh and focus here on the two new Blackhawks uh, Hall of Famers, we just heard from Doug Wilson. We'll circle back to him. But, uh, I can imagine what your excitement was back in the summer of 09 that the Blackhawks were able to, to reel in Marion Hosa. And I knew he was established and was a certain kind of player that, uh, you had a, a, an enormous deal of respect for at the time that they signed him. But over the course of what was unfortunately only eight years here with the Blackhawks, which should have probably been 12, how much more respect did you gain for his game being able to watch him game in and game out
1: well, when you look at a, a guy like Marion Hoson, and then, you know if we go back to the to the beginning um, when the Blackhawks had a, a very good young and upcoming team um, prior to that it was tough for for the Blackhawks to recruit the top players and um you know they they went through a bunch of years where they, they struggled to get big names without having to overpay them, um, you know, later in their career. And, and all of a sudden people could see that this Chicago Blackhawk team is, is good. They're young. Um, and, and this is where we wanted to be. And that's what happened with Marion and he looked at his situation. He went from Pittsburgh to Detroit um, and, and then to Chicago. He he looked at Chicago and he said, that's where I want to be. That's where the future is um, as far as one of the top teams in the NHL. So, you had to respect his knowledge of the way that he kind of approached um, him joining the Blackhawks. And and you certainly appreciated how good he was uh, even up to that point. But when she saw him come here and play on an everyday basis, uh, the type of person that he was, how good a player he was, it was just incredible uh, and just so impressive that, You know, he was a guy that um, when he looked at the Blackhawks, he said, that's where I want to be. And he he loved the city of Chicago. He loved the Blackhawks. uh, And unfortunately, as he said, I would have liked to play a couple more years except for the skin condition that um, forced him into retirement. Uh, but, But what a great career he had in the NHL and with the Blackhawks.
3: Troy, Blackhawks friend, fans will clearly remember Hosa for you know the, the Game 5 against Nashville and other clutch performances in the playoffs but I think overall hockey fans just really gaw at the fact of how good he was both ways, defensively and offensively how much of that was skill and how much of it was effort because when I think of Marion Hosa defensively I think of him you know bodying up against a guy and just knowing the way to position his body and, and sticking, giving a stiff arm th- to the guy Trying to get the puck, and then when he needed to turn on the Jets to to go get the puck. I mean, where where's the the difference in those two? And I, I, I guess what I'm asking is, how how were they able to compliment him in both ways to be such a good player?
1: He's all a, around game, and I've I read a lot of the comments, um, you know, from former teammates, from uh, current or you know current Blackhawk uh, players who played with Marion, about how underrated he was in his overall game. Um, you know, could he have been a Selkie trophy, uh, finalist every year? I think so. Absolutely. The way that he played the game and people didn't realize how strong and how big Marion Hossa was. And it was incredible. And and I got actually a, a pretty funny story. Um, going way back when, um, uh, uh, Marian was hit by, uh, Rafi Torres, the next year, the season was delayed. And, um, um, Marion was uh, skating with the Blackhawks on his own um, with Steve Monador at that time. And Marion ended up being the only player left uh, under the care of the, the Blackhawks. And so he was uh, skating, trying to get into shape, get himself in a position where he could uh, be cleared um, to, to play hockey. So they needed somebody to be a skating partner. So they actually they asked me if I would be a skating partner for him. So I go out there, and uh, this is at uh, Johnny's Ice House, and and there wasn't uh, anybody else around. The trainers were there. Marion was there, um, and myself, uh, a couple other people who were involved in his his training and conditioning. And and so we went out on the ice, and, and just by playing against him and battling in the corners, I was absolutely blown away how strong he was. And when you see him, um, in his workout gear and stuff, I mean, he is just, he's big, he's ripped. His conditioning is incredible. So we're doing these one-on-one drills, um, you know, to get him into kind of game shape. And, and I thought I was, I needed a defibrillator and he wasn't even sweating <laughs> and he was so strong. So anyways, we started to do one of these drills and he was cleared for, for, you know, a little bit more contact. So Marion went down, he had to do a bunch of drills for conditioning, and then at the end of the drill he would pick up a puck, and I would play one-on-one against him as he came down the ice. And I was told, you know, you can be physical with him and, and, you know, make him work on this. So he was coming down, and I don't think he expected it, but I kind of stepped up, (laughs) and I, I hit him in the middle of the ice, and he went down. And I was just like, oh, my goodness. I was like, I I hurt Mary, and I'm so sorry, and all this kind of stuff. And he pops right back up, and he goes, no, no, no. He says, that's good for me. That's good. I I Uh. need to know where I'm at. I'm good. That's good for me. So we did the drill again, and he goes down. He does the drills for conditioning, and then he picks up a puck, and he's coming down against me. The next time I I tried to you know stand him up, he ran right over the top of me. Because the first time I caught him, he wasn't ready for it. The second time, he just absolutely destroyed me. Went straight over the top of me, and he just kind of had a look on his face like, "Yeah, okay, that was all right."
3: <laughs> That's <laughs> an amazing story. But,
1: but he didn't realize how strong he was. His defensive, uh, you know, part of his game was a huge part of his game. I, I mean. And he will give a guy like Datsuk and Zetterberg a lot of credit when you talk to him because he realized and he saw how hard those guys tracked the puck when they didn't have it, how hard they worked to get the puck back. Um, And he brought that mentality to the Blackhawks. And then his back-checking ability, um, the strength of him to come back and strip pucks away, turn things around in transition was incredible and a very underrated player in so many ways. A big player, but not a physical player. And I still say this to this day, guys, and I was talking about it today a little bit earlier. I, I dare anybody to say something bad about Marion Hossa. Mm-hmm. And, and that's teammates, that's uh, players that played against him. Anybody who's ever ran into Marion Hossa, this guy just was first class. He was very um, honorable in everything that he did on and off the ice. Um, you know nobody was taking cheap shots on him on the ice he he played the game hard he played the game fair um, and and put up some great offensive numbers and his all-around game was just incredible
2: well no cheap shots except for Rafi Torres uh, unfortunately but we we won't go there Uh, you talked about the skin condition real earlier as we wrap up here on on Marion I'm not sure how aware you were of the situation but yeah, you know, it was it was a shock to know a couple of months later that him shaking hands with the Nashville Predators at the end of a four game sweep back in April of 2017 was going to be the end of his career, with four years remaining on his contract and and his production, despite all he was going through, was still right up there as good as it has been with any of his time at the Blackhawks. Do you even doubt, even at the age of 41, going on 42, which would be heading into the final year of this 12 year contract? That uh, his play would have been able to sustain itself, but the yeah, you know, we, we look at him on the Zoom call and he still looks in absolutely wonderful shape. And I said, you saw him in Prague uh, uh, last fall, I, right?
1: I, w- I was just going to say that, Chris. When I when I saw him in Prague, I mean, he looked in great shape. He looked like he could just step right on the ice and play. Um, but unfortunately, the, you know, the skin condition that he had. Uh, didn't allow him, um, you know, to finish his career the way that he wanted to. And and it goes back a long ways. I mean, uh, you know, Joel Quenville, and I love, you know, Joel Quenville, Maintenance Day and all mm-hmm. this kind of stuff. Nobody knew really what was going on, um, you know, with, with players uh, when Joel was around. It, you know, guys like Duncan Keith, because he plays so much Maintenance Day and all this kind of stuff. Marion was an older player, Maintenance Day. Uh, but the fact was is, is he couldn't put his hockey equipment on on a regular basis and, and practice and play, so he was only playing the games. Um, in the World Cup, or uh, is that what it was called, the World Cup? Yeah. Um, where they had the, the different nations. I mean, he was even dealing with that there that, um, you know, he wasn't practicing, just playing the games. They, they tried so many different things, different equipment, different underwear, different, um, you know, soaps, lotions, um, you know, he ended up being on a steroid cream that he just couldn't continue to be on, uh, as far as I know. And then that kind of made the decision a little bit easier for him to, to walk away from the game. But uh, when you see him now, the, the way that he approached the game, the, the dedication that he had, there's no doubt that he would still be a very effective player. As he was still
2: playing, yeah, and it almost it almost raises the the awe and respect level even more for what we don't know, what the public and, and even most of the media did not know, for what he was going through, and to be able to maintain that high level despite not being able to to work out and, and practice as much as uh, he probably would have liked, and as as much as his teammates did. Uh, it, it even raises the respect level even further. Let's uh, go to your former uh, former teammate Doug Wilson. As you came into the league, uh, tell us a little bit. Was was he presented? Himself, he's always presented himself in a, in a very classy way. And uh, was he pretty much the same way behind the scenes? I mean, I, I remember interviewing him, and he, he he's he was just as polite and uh, and classy. Back in his days as a player, as he is right now as an executive with the San Jose Sharks, um, uh, was that his mo? Despite you know thinking that greatness sometimes you need a little bit of nasty uh, underneath that not a lot of people see.
1: Well, with, with Doug, you know when you when you walked in and, and you know you talk about leaders, great leaders. I mean, uh, Willie was one of those guys that. Um, you know, he, he always had a smile on his face. And first of all, he was very um, well recognized because, he, you know, he had a great head of hair. He didn't wear a helmet. So everybody knew who Doug Wilson was in kind of an era where the players, um, now with social media and stuff, it's a little bit easier to recognize the players, even if they have helmets and the visors and stuff on. But everybody knew who Doug Wilson was. Um, and just his aura that he had, um, you know, a fun loving guy, but very serious. Uh, played the game hard, played the game the right way, uh, a ton of respect. And he was always one of the guys that, that took the younger players under his wing, helped them out. Um, you know, we had another guy like Keith Brown, you know, a, a younger player at that point, but a, a player that came in at a young age and he understood what it meant for older players to take care of him, so he took care of them. And that that's the same way that, that Doug Wilson held himself with with guys that he, he played with, like Keith Magnuson, Cliff Corral. Uh, learned from those older guys and brought that culture inside the locker room. A uh, great leader, great individual. And even when you see him now, the demeanor that he has as uh, the head guy for the San Jose Sharks, um, same demeanor that he had as a player, just cool, calm, collective, um, uh, you know, always thinks before he speaks and, and really never says anything bad. Nobody can say anything bad about him
3: two-part question here for you, Troy, and, and this is a factor of me having to go back and, and look at highlights and research on Doug Wilson. and I, He also looked <laughs> a little bit at Troy Murray, too. Oh, of course. Well, and, and again, part of it is another one of your former teammates, but obviously a lot of the numbers are there for Doug Wilson, and a lot of people are thinking this was a long time coming for him. I don't mean to Assign you as commissioner of the Hall of Fame election or election committee, but you know why do you think that's so for him? And also, why do you think a guy like another one of your former teammates, Steve Larmer, is still waiting so long? Because I've seen a lot of feedback from fans about his absence from the Hall of Fame so far.
1: Um, it's a real good question, and, and just reading some of the articles, and no, it's not a perfect system. There's no question about that, and people are complaining. Uh, each and every year that this guy should have got in. It. And it's the same thing with football, baseball, basketball. Um, you know, you, you have to make tough decisions. And and I think that when you looked at it, um, you know, I, I read some of the comments that, you know, on, in years where he was close, there just were better options. Um, I don't know how the criteria works. Um, and obviously you have to look at overall uh, everything that is involved in somebody's career. Uh, For Doug Wilson, the numbers backed it up. Norris Trophy winner, he he did not win the Stanley Cup, and that's a knock that people say, well, gee, he didn't win the Stanley Cup. But there's a lot of people in the Hockey Hall of Fame that that, uh, never won the championship, and and that goes for every sport. Um, So I think it was a long time coming. It's well-deserved. I I think for Willie and just his comments that I, I have read and seen, that he was obviously shocked, but, uh, you know, a great surprise. And, and he probably at this point wasn't sure if, if he would ever get in. And I think that when you look at Steve Larmer, it's the same type of consideration. There's a lot of great choices every year. There's, you know, more players that come up every year. You know, Marion Hossa, first-timer. You look at Joel McGinley. Um, you know, is, is Steve's career, Steve Larmer's career as you know, highlighted as as some of those other players that, that that are getting elected. No. Uh, Does he deserve it? I think so. Just because of the way that he played the game. But you know, when you look at it, uh, was he, was he uh, end of the year award winner? No. Could he have been maybe uh, very underrated like a Marion host as far as his defensive game? um, He was great in his own end. His positioning was great. Uh, Not a physical player, but made all the right plays was in great position was never afraid to go to the hard areas. So, uh, you know, his overall game w- was tremendous, but the individual accolades that, that certain players have, they weren't there for Steve. Um, he did retire a little bit earlier on on his terms, basically, walked away from the game when he could have stick, stuck it out a little bit longer with the New York Rangers. Uh, but that's the way that the alarms was. And, you know, for him, I hope he gets in someday, but everybody has those players that say, well, you know this guy should get in this guy should get in uh, there's a lot of great players out there that uh, won't get into the Hockey Hall of Fame and Steve might be one of those guys I hope that's not the case
3: you knew Marion Hosa pretty well going back to Hosa and now we find out that you played against him too uh, where was <laughs> where, where was your confidence factor heading into yesterday on his chances of being a first ballot hall of Famer?
1: I, I thought that he was gonna get in just because of the, the hype that was going on there and, and for him and um <laughs> You know the one thing is, is when you have to look at a guy like Kevin Lowe, um, or you have to look at a guy like Steve Limer or a Doug Wilson, you're going back, and they're not fresh in everybody's mind. Uh, Joel McGinley, one of the classiest players, of, you know, from my hometown of St. Albert, Alberta, um, just a great individual. He was kind of a lock to get in there. Uh, but just the way Marion Holtz's career went, uh, the way that it ended, a little cutting everything a little bit short, there, there was a lot of hype about him uh, and his career. Uh, I know that a lot of uh, you know Eastern Canadian fans and Ottawa Senator fans were, were upset that Alpherson didn't get in there. Um, but he's going to get in there. But I, I did think that Marion uh, was going to be in this year.
2: We'll wrap it up. Uh, bouncing back to Doug real quick. And uh, he was something the Blackhawks had never had, and I know you weren't there for the start of his career with the Blackhawks, but you know Bobby Orr changed the way defensemen are, are viewed and looked upon and play uh, when when he broke in with the Boston Bruins and set the world afire. And how important was it to have that kind of quarterback, that offensive driving defenseman? We uh, the Islanders had Dennis Potvan, and then you know, as we get closer to Doug Wilson's era, your, your Al McGinnis is. How And Paul Coffey with Edmonton, how crucial was it to have a player like that in order to breed success uh, back in late 70s and early 80s? It really changed the tone of the game.
1: You have to have those players. And you're going back to an era where uh, a guy like Doug Wilson, who had one of the hardest shots in the game, um, you could tee him up from the half boards, or if he got an opportunity to shoot the puck from the blue line, just the way it was with the goaltender, the equipment and everything, but the closeness of the blue line towards the net, that was back in a day where, it, it, you know, if Doug Wilson was winding up, I mean, not a lot of players wanted to get in front of that, and he was in a position to score. So, you know, he was a threat every time he got into the offensive zone. I, like a lot of people, have watched the highlights of, of the players who've been into the elect, elected into the Hall of Fame, inducted into the Hall of Fame uh, recently. and And you look at... You know his ability to jump up in the play, to read the play offensively—that was certainly something that uh, was a special attribute to a, to a player and to a team. That if you if you had that type of player, you were very fortunate. And you know you go along, and, and Doug Wilson's is the general manager and, and president, whatever he is in San Jose, whatever his title is. Uh, You look at his longtime uh, defensive partner, Bob Murray, Mm -hmm. had a great career himself. And, you know, Bob Murray is never going to get considered for the Hockey Hall of Fame. But if you look at, you know, how important those two guys were in the top pairing for the Blackhawks for many, many years um, and how well they kind of worked together, Bob Murray was the the steady, stay-at-home defenseman. Doug Wilson was the flashy guy. Uh, who, who did all the offensive work. It, it really was a strong pairing. It really worked for many, many years.
3: It's not hard to find hockey greatness in a name like Murray. That's right. I'll
1: say that. <laughs> oh, I, I still love talking to Bob Murray. He still calls me son because <laughs> he <laughs> was one of those guys that took me under his wing and you know, I, I always said, well, you know, he's my older brother, and people who didn't know hockey, oh wow, you know, that's okay. I said, no, not not really, but uh, you know, he was another great guy, and um, you know, for Doug and Bob to have the success in hockey after they played after their careers, I'm not I'm not surprised at all.
2: Uh, those guys named Murray are always good quotes too so Bob and, and yourself so thanks for your quotes uh, we kept you longer than uh, than we originally anticipated so so go Bob finish, and Doug. go Bob finish, and Doug. <laughs> go finish off that uh, seven footer for the 68 and uh, get it done because uh, hopefully you're back working hockey here in a matter of a couple weeks all right
1: wouldn't, wouldn't that be nice uh, yeah. you know hopefully things progress here the way that uh, they have it planned. I know there's a lot of details still involved in the equation. I hope Chicago becomes one of the uh, hub cities. I think it would be a, a great representative uh, for the NHL to have it here in Chicago. But we'll see what happens. And uh, I hope that uh, Chris, you, and I, and Joe are all working some games here in the near future.
2: Here, here. Thanks again, B-ball. Well, all right. Thanks a lot, Troy. Thanks. Thanks for having me on, guys. Troy Murray joining us here on the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast uh, again. Played with, uh, played with Dougie Wilson, and uh, played against. Uh, Marion Hosa. That's awesome. For, <laughs> that's, that's such a cool <laughs> for a short, story for a short time. So, uh, that is Troy bringing the highlight, uh, once again. And, uh, so we just wanted to focus this particular Blackhawks crazy podcast on, uh, the congratulations that are certainly due Marion Hosa and Doug Wilson. Once again, some more Blackhawks as we speak here, uh, not, I should say as we speak, but over the last several days, uh, they have uh, grown the potential number of participants that can voluntarily work out around the NHL to uh, uh, up to 12 in, in, in small cluster groups for individual work, both on the ice and off. And we have seen a couple of new faces gradually working their way into Fifth Third Arena. I'm sure that number will continue to grow Knock on wood as, uh, we, uh, hopefully the, uh, the, the numbers don't continue to grow and the percentages don't continue to grow, at least here in Chicago. There are some scary situations going on around the country, which leads you to have some doubt and scratch your head and wonder whether the NHL is, and basically all the other sports are going to be able to, uh, particularly pull this off. But, uh, the hope remains there. And, uh, yeah, we're, we're already, we're, we're ready to jump on a Blackhawks Edmonton matchup right here. Actually, I've been looking at some of the some of the uh, more in depth numbers too. There's some interesting stuff going on as if this ever gets pulled up. But we can we can only hope. Uh, we certainly uh, get to that day because we're tired of sitting around, Joe, and waiting
3: for something waiting. to do a podcast about. <laughs> and every time it's like, oh, this might happen. You want to do a podcast? <laughs> yeah, well, I guess we got it. No, I I'm just trying to stay. And this is with every sport hopefully resuming. I'm just trying to stay cautiously optimistic, not getting my hopes up too high, but but definitely seeing the progress that the country is going through and and hopefully, the idea that we can actually have some sporting events in
2: in the Big Four. And yeah, all and all the fans are part of the responsibility too. Yeah, so, yeah, that's you know, true. I mean, if if you want it, then
3: uh, socially distant. wash yep, you your hands, wear your mask, then you suck, know, suck just, it
2: up, just be part you know? of it. Yep. Uh, you, uh, want may not like it. you may not like it. <laughs> you want you your games, it. just play along with the rules. You gotta do it, Joe. Thanks again for uh, stopping in. We thank Troy Murray as well. Thanks to Curtis Koch, who was masterful in uh, what in paring down, which was sometimes a technologically challenging Zoom call with Marion Hossa today in order to make it uh, sound a, a little bit more fluid. So that was the uh, end product. So we appreciate Curtis's work as well. And the dulcet tones of Ernie Skatton, as always. We, again, hope you enjoyed this edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Encourage you to subscribe on uh, iTunes. If you subscribe and Apple, and if you subscribe, it'll be dropped uh, right there for you whenever we have a fresh edition ready. And we don't know when the next one will come. Maybe it'll be a first day of training camp. Maybe there'll be some other big news here along the way. But when that happens, Joe and Curtis and myself will will be here for you. You can uh, track it down also by uh, logging on to WGNRadio.com. You can find the Blackhawks Crazy podcast there, and we'll tweet out links as well. Maybe
3: we can interview Troy Murray after he's the practice skater with Calvin DeHaan.
2: Look there you go. There then you we go. Can hear how that went. Maybe not throw a shoulder into. A, yeah, a, maybe and not. Maybe not body check Calvin Don. But uh, it, that would be a nice addition as well if the Blackhawks uh, are able to resume against the Edmonton Oilers. So again, thank you for listening. Uh, again, we also tweet out links on our Twitter accounts. I'm at at Bowden tweets. Joe is at at Joe underscore Brand One, the number one at Joe underscore Brand One. That's this edition, the Hall of Fame edition of the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Hope you enjoyed it, and we will talk to you again soon.
1: He's won it. The Hawks win the Stanley Cup.
2: So Thanks for listening to the Blackhawks Crazy Podcast. Tell a friend, subscribe, and join the conversation. And follow the guys on Twitter, at Bowden Tweets, and at Joe underscore brand one.
1: That was great.